Hello, this is Pastor Jimmy Harper. Thanks for listening to this Lee University broadcast. We're excited that you are joining us today for one of our many campus events. We hope that you are encouraged as you listen. Hear the commandments of God to his people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other gods but me. Lord, have mercy. You shall not make for yourself any idol. Lord, have mercy. You shall not invoke with malice the name of the Lord your God. Lord, have mercy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Lord, have mercy. Honor your father, father and your mother. So that we will live long in this land. Lord, have mercy. You shall not commit murder. Lord, have mercy. You shall not steal. Lord, have mercy. You shall not be a false witness. Lord, have mercy. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Lord, have mercy. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. God of mercy and grace, do not give up on us, even when we are slow to listen. Forgive our hesitant hearts. Chase us down with your stubborn love, that we may be your disciples, forgiven and forgiving. Hear now our silence. anyone sins, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Friends, believe the good news. Through Jesus Christ, we are Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, creator of all that is good and wonderful and beautiful, Father, this day, in this very moment, we are coming here to give you glory, to give you praise. Not for any other reason, Lord, but that you deserve it. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be alive another day, for the air that fills our lungs so that we can praise you. You are so good and so wonderful to us. You continually pour out your blessings upon each and every one of us. And so we ask, Lord, in this moment, that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our ears, so that we could see you, so that we could hear you. Father, if you must, bump up against us, shake us, Lord, but allow us to experience your presence in this place. And as we encounter your word, the word that was spoken, the word that became flesh and lived among us, the word that is proclaimed this morning, we ask, Father, that you would speak into our hearts and make it come alive so that we could follow you and obey you all the days of our life. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, by your power and for your glory, forever and forevermore. 
Amen. The reading of the Old Testament, Leviticus 13, verses 43 through 46. The priest is to examine him, and if the swollen sore on his head or forehead is reddish white, like an infectious skin disease, the man is diseased and is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. The Psalms reading. If you would please grab the Bible in the pew and turn to page 618. We will be reading Psalm 100 together. That is page 618. Please join me as I read. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Epistle Reading, 2 Corinthians 13, verses 11 and 12. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 40. A leper came to him, begging him and kneeling. He said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The passage of Leviticus this morning came to us telling us about head sores and skin wounds. I don't know about you, but I've never met someone with leprosy. When I think of leprosy, I think of Sri Lanka or Calcutta. I don't think of America. However, in our American history, we once had a large population of folks who suffered from leprosy. The largest pocket dwelled in New Orleans. And during this time of early American history, there was a doctor who noticed these folks living in absolute squalor. Large people, eight maybe or ten, would live in a one-bedroom apartment. They would only come out at night. 
They were uneducated. People were shunned by them. They, they would only come out at night, so people were afraid to be around them, not knowing who they were. And this doctor, Dr. Daly, who was the dean of the medical school at Tulane University, felt great compassion for these folks suffering from leprosy. He wanted to educate the public about these people, and so he began an uh, editorial series in the newspaper. But as he was writing, he got a vision, a vision of a clinic right there at Tulane University, specifically dedicated to people who had leprosy. So he went to Tulane University and he asked them, this would be a great idea for interns, for medical students. But he got a resounding, no, no way. Well, Dr. Daly was perseverant. He had a bee in his bonnet, as my grandma would say, and he marched up to Baton Rouge, and he went to the House of Representatives, and he stated his case. And they listened to him, and they were moved, and they gave him a resounding yes. They gave him all the financial resources that he needed. So he came back to New Orleans so excited to find a piece of land to begin building a clinic. But the people of New Orleans got wind of what he was doing. And roadblock after roadblock, they set up in front of him. The city rose up against him, and nobody would sell him anything. Six months went by, and he was totally discouraged. Is this actually going to happen? Can we actually serve and help these people in our city? Dr. Jumel came to him one day and said, look, Dr. Daly, why are you sticking around New Orleans? Why don't you find a place outside of the city to begin doing this? And he said, yeah, well, there was a dilapidated plantation 90 miles up the Mississippi River. Hadn't been lived in in 50 years. He set his eyes on that with the pretense it would be an ostrich farm. Go figure. Who would have believed that one? But they did, and he purchased the property. And he gathered his uh, eight men, three women with leprosy, a couple of uh, compassionate colleagues. And on November 30th, 1894, under the guise of night, they hopped upon a barge and was pushed up the Mississippi River for 90 miles. As the sun was rising in the dawn, they arrived at this dilapidated plantation, what would be known as Carville or also known as the Gillis Hansen Center, the National Laprosarium of the United States of America. Dr. Daly stepped off that barge. He looked at that plantation, and it was a mess, infested with bugs. The wood was rotten. The windows were broken. There was large oak trees with Spanish moss growing inside of the plantation. And he said, oh, my. There is no way that I am going to be able to get this place up to par. So he sent out a call for help throughout the nation. And the Sisters of Charity in Maryland grabbed that call and came down. And in their long habits, in the middle of July in Louisiana, they're digging ditches. They're putting back nice wood floors. They're getting windows, painting. They're making clothes. They're making food. And they are reaching out and touching those with leprosy. Touch is such a vital part of who we are. And that's an understatement. This skin, this organ that we have, has more sensory 
perception cells than even our eyes have. When you come home from school, your cat, what does it do? It rubs up against your leg. Your dog lays on its back, just touch me, rub my belly, rub my belly. We were created to be touched. And that's the issue for those who suffer leprosy. Leprosy comes into the body, and its main objective is to kill the nerve cells so that people with leprosy cannot feel soft, fuzzy, bumpy, hot, cold, any type of pressure. Not only are they socially isolated, they are internally, internally isolated because they cannot feel the world around them. So it's kind of like if someone has leprosy and they're walking along and they twist their ankle. Well, they don't know that. They can't feel that, though. So they continue to walk on their ankle, which ultimately makes a deformity in their leg. Or they leave their hand on a hot stove. They can't feel it. Burns their flesh away, causes infections. Many leprosy patients go blind because they cannot feel their eyes drying out. So they fail to blink. Many leprosy patients are physically deformed, which keeps them socially isolated as well as internally isolated. This is the mystery of this touch. Scientists tell us that now that not only touch is not only part for our joy and pleasure, but touch is a survival mechanism. Mother cats not only lick their kittens to be clean, but their incessant licking on their kittens actually regulates the kitten's heartbeat. Without their mother licking them, the cat would die. Over at St. Jude's Hospital, 24-7, they're having volunteers come in to go into that preemie ward for those two-pound little babies simply to touch those children because no matter how much medicine you have, without the human touch, those babies will not thrive. Touch is so valuable, so important for our survival. In our culture, in our demographic, those people who are least touched are those who are over the age of 75. And that's very frightening as the baby boomers are moving into that bracket and our nursing homes are already at full capacity. Touch is so valuable, but there is a huge difference between non-Christian touch and Christian touch. The first thing about Christian touch is that Christian touch is intentional. It is intentional. We make an intentional moment. Since the first century of our Christians gathering together to worship, we have had in the middle of worship, right before the sacrament, an opportunity where Christians would stand up and pass the peace of Christ. It was an intentional moment. I remember as a child growing up in the Reformed tradition, the pastor would say something like, okay, now everybody stand up and greet one another with the passing of Christ's peace. And I'd be like, oh, I hate this part. I'm going to have to stand up. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to say hello. You know, and they're going to comment on my clothes. As I got a little older in high school, our senior high, we would be spread out, all of us kids. And in the 80s, we didn't have text messaging. So we figured out a new system. During that passing of the peace, we'd be sharing our little code messages to each other. So we'd be walking over to someone. Passing the peace, instead of saying, the peace of Christ be with you, we'd say something like, I like mayonnaise, you know. 
The rain falls softly on the plane, passing those messages through. And we disrespected that whole message that whole time because we didn't understand the intentionality of what was happening. We didn't understand why it was there in the worship service. First and foremost, it's intentional. The second thing about Christian touch is that it's peaceful. God created your hands not to harm, not to hurt, not to create violence, but he created your hands to share shalom, to pass the peace of Christ. It is in that moment right before the sacrament where we make a decision not to stand up and chat and talk and see how it's going, but to make a decision that before we come to the table, we go to our brother and sister and we reconcile. We make peace. The first thing is it's intentional. The second thing is it's peaceful. The third thing about Christian touch is it bestows a blessing. When I was ordained as minister of word and sacrament, some big bishop guy with a big hat did not come and say some froofy words in front of me. No, or throw water at me. Ordination happens at the laying on of hands. And all of you have had hands laid on you. All of you have been anointed and ordained to spread the good news of Jesus. All of you are called to follow in Jesus' footsteps. The passage of Mark that was read this morning, where Jesus goes to a leper, the shock value for the first century Christians is not that he healed. The shock value is that he touched. Because everybody knows, Jesus, you're not supposed to touch the leper. Leviticus told us a long time ago, and when they come into town, they have to bang a bell and say, unclean, untouchable, don't touch me. Where's the blessing for them? There isn't supposed to be one. But yet Jesus comes intentionally, peacefully, he bestows a blessing. Dr. Daly understood this. There at Carville, working with his patients, he understood the importance of reaching out intentionally with touch, Christian touch. One day, John Early, one of his patients who was blind in one eye, lost all of his fingers on his left hand, quite deformed, came to Dr. Daly and said, Dr. Daly, and Dr. Daly said, yeah, what can I do for you, John? And Dr. Daly, John said, you know, you know, I, I do have a request. I would really like to go to church. And Dr. Daly said, that's fine. The Sisters of Charity, they've, you can go and go to their chapel, their worship service, anytime you want here at Carville. That's just fine. And John said, oh, well, I really appreciate the sisters and all, but, you know, I was really hoping to go to that church 10 miles down the road, you know, the one with the white steeple? And Dr. Daly said, oh, wow, John, I don't know. I mean, you know how people feel still about, you know, what you have. There's an awful lot of fear still. I'm not sure. And John said, Dr. Daly, please, would you, just, would you just write a letter to the preacher and just ask him if it'd be okay? So Dr. Daly wrote a letter to the preacher, 
The reply letter came on a Friday. And Dr. Daly came rushing into John's room. He said, John, John, they're so excited. They're, they've, all the deacons, all the elders agreed that you could come and worship at their church. We're, they're expecting us this Sunday. Isn't that good news? And at that moment, John Early got white in his face. And he got those butterflies in his stomach. He was like, oh, wow. Well, uh, I think I've changed my mind. And Dr. Daly said, what? You can't change your mind. The letters have already been written. They are planning on us to be there. We have got to go. Sunday morning arrived, and John Early got in his nice black suit and his shiny shoes that the sisters had provided for him. Dr. Daly and John got on the wagon with the horse, and they made their 10-mile trek early in the morning on the way to church. And all that way, John kept saying, I think we should turn around. This isn't a good idea. I think we should turn around, Dr. Daly. Will you be quiet? It's going to be just fine. It's going to be okay. They're expecting us. They arrived at the church a little late. The windows were open on a sweltering moment, and the first hymn was playing, and the music was wafting through the air. As they hitched up their horse to a post, they got out, and they began to make their way up the wooden steps up to the, the church, and John Early and Dr. Daly opened those doors and they stepped into the sanctuary. And at the moment that they stepped into the sanctuary, that organ stopped playing. And everyone in those pews turned around to look. John Early, paralyzed in fear, thought to himself, what are they going to do? What should I do? What's going to happen? At that moment, someone in the congregation put their hymnal down walking towards the back of the sanctuary, put out his hand, and he said, John Early? And John said, yes, sir. And he said, the peace of Christ be with you. And John got this huge smile on his face. And he reached out his hand, and he said, the peace of Christ be with you also. And they touched. People of God, as we gather this morning at the table, we believe that God will touch us and that we will touch God by touching one another. Therefore, I invite you to stand up and greet one another with the passing of the peace. As we come to the table this morning, we are reminded that this is not a Presbyterian table, or an Anglican table, or even a Church of God table. This table is the Lord's table, and anyone has, who has put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is welcome to come to the family meal. Therefore, join your hearts with me in the communion prayer, the Sursum Corda, the first part which is printed in your bulletin. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let us pray. Gracious God, indeed it is right to give you thanks and to give you praise. We praise you, Lord, for the ultimate gift you gave to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask in this moment that your Holy Spirit would come down upon us and upon this meal, upon this bread, and upon this cup, that as we partake of it this morning, 
that you would unite us as one. Unite us as one with all those who gather in your name across this globe so that your prayer that we would be one as you are one would be answered. Lord, as we take this, this meal, strengthen us, Father, so that we would be your voice, we would be your feet, that we would be your hands, that we would truly be thy kingdom come on earth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As we come to the table this morning, you will be invited to come forward for intinction. There will be a station over here and over here and up front. Is that correct? And you will come and you will take a piece of the bread, ripping it off, and dipping it in the cup, responding, thanks be to God. On the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup. And as he poured, he said, This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins for the whole world. It is the new cup of the new covenant. Gracious God, love divine, all love excelling. With great joy from heaven beyond, you came and you dwelled in a humble dwelling. Lord, we ask with faith for the gift of your Holy Spirit to allow us to be your hands, to show faithful mercy and compassion and abounding love that within every trembling heart in this place, Lord, that we could truly be your resurrected body here on earth, that people would know that you are alive and that you are well and that you are real and that you love us by us, by your hands, by your children. Father, look down upon this place and be very proud of your sons and your daughters. Empower us to further your kingdom for your glory and for our pleasure. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. People of God, I now charge you, I charge you to go forth from this place being intentional, being peaceful, and bestowing the blessing of God. Please stand for the benediction. Remember as you go out into the world that you are not alone that God is with you. God is with you today. God is with you tomorrow. And God will be with you, all of us, for everlasting life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.